From the K-Rob Collection, this is Audio Antiques, featuring programs from the golden age of American radio. I'm Ken Robinson. Comedy teams have a long history in the world of entertainment, beginning in British music halls and then in vaudeville in America. They were also popular during the golden age of radio. Among the many comedy teams on the air at the start of commercial broadcasting were George Burns and his wife, Gracie Allen. They got married in Cleveland, Ohio in 1926 and never looked back, performing in early talking movies and getting a network radio show in the 1930s, which would last until 1950 when the couple took their act to television. We'll hear the Burns and Allen radio show from 1938. Another one of the biggest double acts on radio were Abbott and Costello, best known for their Who's On First baseball routine. On the St. Louis team, we have uh, who's on first, what's on second, I don't know who's on third. That's what I want to find out. I want you to tell me the names of the fellas on the St. Louis I'm, team. I'm telling you, who's on first, what's on second, I don't know who's on third. Do you know the fellas' names? Yes. Well, then who's playing first? Yes. I mean, the fellas' name on first base. Who? The fellow playing first base for St. Louis. Who? The guy on first base. Who is on first? Well, what are you asking me for? I'm not asking you, I'm telling you, who is on first? I'm asking you who's on first. That's the man's name. That's whose name? Yes. Well, go ahead and tell me. Who? The guy on first. Who? The first base. Who is on first? Have you got a first baseman on first? Certainly. Then who's playing first? Absolutely. Bud Abbott and Lou Costello became favorites working as comedians in burlesque theater and got their own radio show in 1940. They also made it big in movies and later television. We'll hear one of their radio shows from 1943. Abbott and Costello's popularity began to decline when nightclub performers Dean Martin and Jerry Lewis got their radio show in 1949. It wasn't exactly a hit, but the pair were very popular in movies and on television. We'll hear a Martin and Lewis radio show from 1949. Bring your finances into the 21st century with a My Checking account at Nationwide Bank, powered by Axos. My Checking is designed so you can bank on your terms. This account offers unlimited domestic ATM fee reimbursements, no monthly maintenance fees, and no minimum balance requirements. Nationwide Bank offers Direct Deposit Express, so you can receive your paycheck up to two days earlier. Plus, there's a free app so you can bank on your phone no matter where you are. Open a new My Checking account at krobcollection.com and receive $20. If you are a new Nationwide or Axos Bank customer and deposit $500 into your account within 90 days. Nationwide is on your side with a $20 gift for opening a free My Checking account powered by Axos. Nationwide is on your side. Get full details at krobcollection.com. The makers of Grape Nut bring you George Burns and Gracie Allen with Tony Martin, Ray Noble and his orchestra, and yours truly, John Cotton. Ray, one, two.
Ladies and gentlemen, this is the age of miracles, of streamlined trains, of overnight coast-to-coast trips by airplane, of George Burns and Gracie Allen, and of children who really do know what's good for them. And here's a letter to prove that. It's from Mr. Gentry Steincross of Harwood, Missouri. He says, I have a daughter six years of age named Janine. My wife and I were trying to explain to her that she should eat more breakfast now as she is playing a lot at school. We use grape nuts, but on that morning did not happen. Well, after we talked for some time, Janine said, Well, Mother, if you would serve grape nuts, I would eat more. Well, we say three cheers for Janine. She knows what's good for her and she likes it. And your youngsters will, too. For grape nuts are truly delicious. And they're simply packed with the vital food energy everybody needs. Children and grown-ups both to carry them through till noontime feeling fit. Two tablespoons of grape nuts with whole milk or cream and fruit contain more varied nourishment than many a hearty meal. Grape nuts make even a light breakfast a safe breakfast. So tomorrow at your grocer's, get a yellow and blue package of grape nuts. run want ads for empty apartments. Poets write sonnets about empty hearts. Hillbillies croon ballads about empty saddles. But George and Gracie wander about with empty hats. And here they are, those two great nuts. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Well, Gracie, say hello. George, I always say... Uh, never mind what you always say. Just say hello. But, George, I always uh, later, say... Later, Gracie. Right now, I want you to say hello. Well, George, I always... Uh, all right, I give up. What do you always say? Hello. <laughs> so you always say hello. Yeah, but why do I always say that? Because it's a custom. Everybody always says that. But why? Why? Because it is. Well, how do you know? Because I've got a good memory and an elephant never forgets. Uh, where did that expression, an elephant never forgets, originate? I don't know. I can't remember. Oh, then you're not an elephant. No, I'm not an elephant. But you're pretty. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> hello, George. Hello, Gracie. Oh, hello, John. Oh, Johnny, where did that say? Uh, an Gracie, elephant never... an elephant never forgets is just an expression like shaking hands is a custom. You know what a custom is. Oh, sure. A custom is what you wear when you go to a masquerade, like a sailor's custom. Yeah, it's a nice suit. custom, yes. I see what you mean. Yeah, that's what it is, and I'm glad that it's over. Yeah, but why is shaking hands a custom? Well, it's, it's, it's because... Oh, I must be nuts. Well, I know, but you can't use that as an excuse for everything. <laughs> oh, quiet, quiet. George, I think I can expl- explain shaking hands. Well, let's explain it. <laughs> <laughs> you see, Gracie, <laughs> way back in the early days, the open hand was held out as a sort of a gesture of peace to show that there was no weapon in it. Oh, they'd hold a weapon behind them in the other hand, huh? <laughs> no, no, there wasn't any weapon. There wasn't any weapon? No. Then what are we talking about? We're talking about shaking hands. All right, then let's shake hands. All right, hello, Gracie. Hi, John. Hi, nice to see you. Gracie, shaking hands is like any other customary greeting, like kissing or... Oh, Johnny, if you think shaking hands is like kissing, then you've never been kissed. <laughs> Either that or he's never shaken hands. No. I say, George. Oh, yes, sir, Ray. Well, uh, Happy New Year. Yeah. <laughs> happy New Year. 
Ray, you're only about three weeks late. Oh, I know, Chad, but I can't very well say hello. Because I'm not an elephant, so we'll just have to shake hands with an empty weapon, that's all. <laughs> well, I've had enough of this. I don't want to hear another word about customs or shaking hands or elephants, and especially hellos. I'm losing my mind. Well, hello, everybody. Hello, George. Hello, hello, hello. Well, say hello, oh, George. Oh, shut up. <laughs> Close your big mouth. <laughs> nice of you to drop in this evening, Tony. Do you feel all right? I feel like a million dollars, George. Oh, George, where did that expression? I oh, feel quiet, like a million dollars. Oh, quiet, quiet with those expressions. Tony, uh, what makes you feel so gay this evening? What did you do, inherit money, or did you get a traffic ticket? Well, I just joined a new health club, George. I just sure. came from there, and I feel like a two-year-old cold. Tony, a cold wouldn't last two years. Must be asthma. <laughs> Tracy, he said cold, not cold. Yeah, don't you talk funny when you get a cold? Mm. I talk very, very funny. I wish you'd stop because you'd probably be out of a vibe. <laughs> and George, George, you know, at this, at this health club, we've got a marvelous handball court. Would you believe it? It holds five bridge tables? You don't say. <laughs> yes, you, you really ought to join the club, George. I know I feel like a new man. Feel like a new man, George. I know how that started. You do, huh? Oh, yes. My sister's been going around with the same fellow for three years. So she, she... feels like a new man. Yeah, that's the way it's done. I see, yes, yes. Tony, if I last until tomorrow, I might join your health club. Well, George, the exercise will do you a world of good. You get there in the morning, and all we wear is gym shoes and a pair of trunks. I say, Tony, wouldn't it be rather awkward getting into a trunk to exercise? <laughs> Ray, you know, you know, Ray, you've got as much sense as a jackrabbit. How do you know? A little birdie told me. Oh, George, where did that Ask little... Johnny Conklin. All right, I've had Johnny. enough of that stuff. Johnny, where did the expression a little birdie told me originate? Well, a little birdie told me is a reply often received from a person who has been asked the source of certain information and who does not care to reveal it. Yes, yes, Johnny, and she do mean you. <laughs> and I might add that years ago, somebody wrote, quote, Curse not the king, not even in thought, for a bird of the air shall carry the voice, and that which has wings will tell the matter, end quote. Boy, what a plug for breaknut. <clears throat> Tony, Tony, the health club, remember? Oh, yes, yes. You know, George, our Turkish baths are really wonderful, and so are our steam cabinets. George, old boy, I wouldn't use those steam cabinets if I were you. You wouldn't have? Oh, definitely not. I took a steam bath once, and when I came out, my clothes were shockingly wrinkled. <laughs> Ray, uh, do you happen to know anything about customs and sayings? Oh, rather. Then, Ray, why do you say goodbye? Oh, well, because I'm leaving. Well, good. Then leave and let leave. Oh, George. George, how did that say Look, Gracie, do I look like an encyclopedia? No, you part your hair in the middle. Oh, quiet, quiet. Say, George, you, you really ought to join this club. There isn't a big name in Hollywood who isn't a member. Oh, then I think I'll join, too. I'm dying to meet Claudette Colbert. So am I, Tony. When did you leave heaven? Only heaven will do when I'm describing you. My heaven on earth started when you came into view. I never knew the thrill of living until you happened along. My heaven on earth came with a glance bringing romance. That lucky chance was all I needed to fill my heart with a song. 
Loving you isn't hard to explain. You're sweet, you're lovely and gay. Heaven's loss has been my greatest gain. For letting an angel like you get away. My heaven on earth, you're in my arms, you're in my heart. Never apart, you're all I treasure. Tony Martin, 20th Century Fox star singing My Heaven on Earth. That was beautiful, Tony. No wonder your records are selling like hotcakes. Thank you, George. Oh, that's not much of a compliment. You can buy those for ten cents a sack. <clears throat> Tracy, why don't you go home and play a hotcake on your phonograph? I did once, and it wouldn't work. It wouldn't, huh? No, the needle got stuck in the maple syrup. <laughs> well, that accounts for it. Oh, yes. No, uh, uh, one, no. two, Ray. <laughs> oh, no, why you had difficulty, Grace? Yes, Ray. Hard to eat hotcakes with a needle. Oh, he got it in. Well, shut him up. <laughs> Well, thanks for waking up, old fellow. Well, I tell you, George, I'm awfully sorry, but Hooray, I think they, they went, went the other back. way. Oh, oh. <laughs> well, okay, Ray, it's, uh, we're both two down. Uh, this conversation is driving me nuts. It's not going anywhere. Oh, don't be silly, George. Where could the conversation go at this time of night? Oh, yes, yes. Why, somebody doesn't back up a wagon is certainly a mystery. You call that a mystery? I'm writing a mystery. I know, I know. The nightclub mystery of yours called Death Begins at $8.40. Oh, I, ha- I had to change that title. It was stolen from me. Stolen from you? Oh, yes. Who stole it? My daddy. Well, you can't leave a title laying around our house with $8.40 in it. Oh, yes. Gracie, please, quiet. Oh, George, where... George... Well, where, where, where did the saying quiet come from? Yeah. The telephone was ringing. Well... Mm. Uh, Gracie, will you answer the telephone? Oh, sure. Uh, Hello? Hello, what number do you want? Gladstone 1131? Oh, no, you must have the wrong number. This is Gladstone 1131. That's better. What? You want Gladstone 1131? Well, you can't have it. We've got it. Gracie, ask them who they want. Oh, oh, who do you want, please? What? You want me? Oh, George, George, don't look now, but I think it's Clark Cable. I'm not looking, Gracie. What? Oh, you're not Clark Cable? Then who are you? Oh, hello, Mother. It's my mother. Well, I'm glad to hear that. Say goodbye to her for me. Oh, please, Judge. Uh, what, Mother? What? She did? Just a little while ago? Oh, no. How much did it weigh? Well, isn't that wonderful? Oh, I could hardly wait to see it. Yes, Mother, I'll go right over after the broadcast. Oh, sure, I'll take George with me. He'll want to see it, too. Goodbye. Oh, George, what do you think happened to my sister? Well, Gracie, after listening to your conversation, of course, I couldn't get Oh, well, then I'll tell you. She won a 12-pound turkey in a raffle. <laughs> well, that, uh, 
Yeah, that certainly is good news. I hope your sister and the turkey are doing as well as can be expected. Oh, thank you. You're welcome. I say, George, did I hear Gracie say that somebody won her sister in a raffle? <laughs> no, Ray, it was a turkey. Huh. Oh, well, of course, it was a turkey that said it, and I doubt whether I'd believe it. Ray, that way. Oh, yes, right over. Right over, oh, yes. I don't know. Everything happens to me. Fine, Mr. Shane. Fine, Mr. Shane. Hello, boys. Fine, Mr. Shane. Who, who is that? Uh, George, he's the window washer. Uh, he, he's in here to clean the windows. Clean windows? Well, yeah. What about me? Oh, no, George. He only cleans windows. Fine, Mr. Shane. Hey, hey, Fine, Mr. Shane, will you come here? Yeah? What are you going to do, sing and wash windows, huh? If you don't mind, we're trying to do a broadcast. I don't mind. Go right ahead. You ain't bothering me none. Five beers. We ain't, huh? <laughs> Will you stop that singing and get out of here? Hey, who are you to give orders, you big palooka? But you... me, Mr. Quiet, Shane. quiet. <laughs> palooka, who am I? I'm George Burns of Burns and Allen. He said it, and I'm Gracie Allen of Allen and Burns. Allen and Burns? Yeah. <laughs> and this is John Carney of Great Nuts and the Trocadero. Gracie, please, I want to get... this the... is Ray Noble of N is Nibble, O is in Dibble, V in his Quibble. How do you know it's a Quibble? My name's Nibble. Oh, Bibble, I've had enough of this. And, and this is Tony Martin of 20th Century Fox in Alice Bay. Well, now that we're all acquainted, <laughs> we can all get together and have lots of fun. All right. Take it, Mr. Windewasher. Vermeer, Mr. Mr. Shane. Wait a minute. Wait a minute with that Vermeer, Mr. Shane. This is silly. Say, girlie, you don't have to introduce me to Tony Martin. Tony and me are pals. Pals? Well, Charlie, uh, let's step outside and talk things over. <laughs> now, I got some windows to watch, but I'm getting a lot of interference from this here dribble push. Yeah, dribble push? <laughs> I don't know. This fella came in here to wash windows, and I don't even know it. No, I don't mean that. I mean, when did you start being a dribble foot? A dribble foot? <laughs> Look, will you all stop, and Tony, will you get this pal of yours out of here? Uh, Charlie, you'd better go. This is GB. He's the boss here. Mm. Oh, the boss. So that's a palooka you told me was such a big tightwad, huh? <laughs> tightwad, am I? Yeah, tightwad. Don't say that from that window washer. Yeah. Don't let him get away with it. Go on, say something to him, dribble puss. Dribble puss? <laughs> boy, Adam, boy, that's telling him dribbling. Look, Tony, dribbling. <laughs> dribbling, I am forever blowing him. Tony, will you get rid of this guy or I will? You and who else? Why, Tony, if we had this little Lord Plunk right down at the health club, we'd punch the stuffing out of him. Yeah, what, would you? Well, I'd get spunky. What? The health club. Oh, the health come, club. Come on, Charlie, will you please? Let's go outside. George, I'll explain everything Wait later. a minute, wait a minute. What do you know about the health club? Oh, not much. I'm only the president, that's all. Is that true? Oh, sure it's so. Don't you remember Tony saying that everybody who is anybody in Hollywood is a member? Oh, yes, I remember that. You bet. Yeah. There's Captain Ellen Bogan, the hot shop fella, hmm. Gilla Cuddy does extra work, well. Spitzelheimer, the double assassin <laughs> clerk, Felix Warfelfinger, the bustin' boys, the brown turtle. Well, turtles. well, well, quite a click. Quite a trick. <laughs> yes, Cats and Allen Bogan and McGillicuddy and Spitzelheimer and Felix Wolfelfinger. Well, Tony's right. Those are the biggest names in Hollywood. You said it, Ray. The movie. <laughs>
musicians do it, but maybe it's because they're working for a genius. Oh, I must look into that, George. They're not supposed to work for anybody but me. <laughs> they're not, huh? Mm. Say, Ray, did you tell George about my mystery play that I'm writing? Why, no, Gracie, I didn't tell George about any mystery. Oh, good, then I'll tell him. Yes, good. I don't want to hear, I don't want to hear about your mystery. Oh, well, then that's different. It's called The Case of the Empty Watch. The Case of the <laughs> Empty Watch, Yes, huh? or give him the words. <laughs> Gracie, I said I didn't want to hear about your play. All right, then we'll talk about something else. Now, what do you want to talk about? Well, I don't know. Let's talk about your sister. Uh, what's your sister doing now? She's helping me write my mystery. Oh, quiet, quiet. Yeah, quiet, quiet. The curtain's going up. Mm. Now, as the scene opens... I know, that's where the police come in. Uh, well, no, that's where my musical number comes in. Uh, and it's A musical called... number in the mystery? Well, yeah, that's just to break the monotony. I see. Well, that's a nice piece of breaking. Yes. My musical number's called The Fantasy of the Cities. The fantasy of the city. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you see, I tell a story by using the names of cities and towns. And it's the fantasy of the of city. The city yes. Yes. Now, for instance, Tony Martin is a rich man who's been making a lot of money in Georgia, That's but good. he needs a few more dollars to pay his taxes. Get it? Yes, a few more dollars to pay his taxes. Yes. Well, that's not hard for me to understand. Yeah, all I'm betting on. <laughs> now, uh, Gracie, Gracie, if this is a musical number, do I play the part of a singer? Oh, well, uh, no, Tony. You've got a little Quincy in Detroit. So you can't sing sing. You can't sing sing? No. Well, uh, walla walla, that's very good. <laughs> very good, as Al Jolson would say, New Haven heard nothing yet. I guess not. Am I in this musical number, Gracie, the fantasy of the city? Well, I should say you are. Johnny, you're the little boy-dee that I'm in love with. But maybe Johnny doesn't love you. Oh, that's all right, George. I'm glad to humor her. Oh, yes. Yes, I get it. Humor, yes. I say the joke, yes. Well, well, you see, George, Johnny's on my side. <laughs> you spoke to Tucson. Tucson? Yes, yes. But, Gracie, I'm a very outspoken man. Well, mm. anywho... The scene it switches now to a town in Montana. Nice piece of switching, yes. But I can't mention the name of it. Why not? Well, George, you're not allowed to say Helen around the radio. Well, that was really a butte. Oh, yes, yes. <laughs> uh, it's very funny. Anaconda, I made it up myself. Oh, yes, yes. Anaconda, Anaconda, you made it up right out of your own marblehead. No, oh, please, George. Uh, I see, Gracie, am I in this uh, fantasy of the city? Oh, well, of the city. Of the, of the city. Well, do I play another murder victim? Well, yes, Ray. And your name is Valley. Rudy Valley? No, Death Valley. Uh, Death Valley. Uh... Yeah, and you're from Texas. Um, uh, maybe Ray can't play a dead body from Texas. Of course he can. Uh... Of course he can, uh, yes. Well, Ray, you can try. <laughs> well, I'll be glad to. It sounds like a very jolly at part. Oh, rather. <laughs> 
Gracie, how is Ray murdered? Well, Ray has a lot of money on him. You see, uh, it was payday in Des Moines. Payday in Des Moines? Yes. And Ray is a moiner? Yes. He's under 16. Yes. And he was driving along the highway. In the Cadillac? No, in the Buick. In the Buick? <laughs> yes. Well, I can just say that it makes much difference which it's a car it is. <laughs> oh, please. Well, anywho, Ray's car runs out of gas in front of Tony's house. Yes. So he gets out of his car to Topeka into Tony's window. Oh, yes. Well, I hope he doesn't fall because you know that old saying, Topeka, they are, the harder they fall. Oh, yes, yes. I say, George, you're mistaken about that. About what? Well, about fall. It isn't fall's winter. Although, of course, I understand it's three hours earlier in the east. Uh, Gracie, Ray is looking at Tony's window. Oh, yes, yes. All of a sudden, Tony gets scared when he hears uh, Illinois. He hears an Illinois. And that scares him, yes. Mm -hmm. So he calls his housekeeper, Mississippi. Uh, Gracie, you're sure my housekeeper is Mississippi? Yes, you hired her when Virginia quit. Oh, yeah, Mississippi. (laughs) What happened to Maryland and Missouri? Idaho. Idaho, you don't, huh? No. George, maybe you'd better keep your mouth shut. <laughs> well, Tony, comedy relief, eh? Oh, boy, boy. Now, this is where Johnny Condy comes in. You see, Johnny has fallen for a Notre Dame from South Bend. A Notre Dame, so... and that, of course, makes you jealous. Oh, Winchester Minute, Johnny. Oh, yes, yes, Winchester Minute, yes. Although Johnny has been giving her expensive bottles of Florida water, he has started to tamper with my affections. Really? Oh, yes, oh. yes, yes. Then all of a sudden, there's a shot. Ray puts his hand up to his chest and says, Omaha. <laughs> Omaha, and he falls dead on the floor. Yes. And now, the cops are racing to the murder. Well, there's no time to Tuscaloosa. Oh, I should say not. But the excitement is too much for me, so like a big Cicero, I start the ball. You don't. I do. do. And when I found out that Johnny was leaving me, I bowled him more than ever. Shame on you, Johnny. Well, why am I leaving you, Gracie? Well, because you're afraid you will be Connecticut with the murder. Mm. I see, and I suppose the Worcester is yet to coma. Oh, yes, yes. (laughs) And after Ray is shot, the police are ready to arrest Tony, but he is saved by Santa. Santa? Well, that's just his moniker. Oh, Santa Monica. Yes. I guess it is. Came to me like that. Uh Uh-huh. Well, George, that's the end. Do you like this play as well as the other? Well, Gracie, I hate to say, but I think all of your plays are wonderful. Oh. Do you think I'll be able to sail them? Sailor? Well, I hope you can sail them down the river. <laughs> say, uh, George, now that the play is over, what do you say if we Oklahoma? Oklahoma, that's a good idea, Tony. What was that? Ray Noble just broke the window that he was Topekaing in. <laughs> he broke the window, huh? Yes, with a little rock. With a... <laughs> for you. The play is over. Oh, good. Johnny, I was under the Trocadero after the broadcast tonight. You know, Amarillo girl who's hungry. I see. I like some dinner. You like dinner. Mm-hmm. You can't go to the Trocadero without eating. Well, you know me, George. I never could Pasadena. Pasadena. You can't raise the music. Gracie will now sing I Double Dare You. Sing it, Gracie. I Double Dare You to sit over here I double dare you to lend me your ear Take off your high hat and let's get friendly Don't be a scare cat Say what do you care, can't you take the dare I double dare you to kiss me and then I double dare you to kiss me again And if that look in your 
thinking of I double dare you to fall in love with me I double dare you Question If I should say the night was grand Would you demand a proof? Or would you be indifferent and aloof? You seem to think that half aloof is better than none Keep on packing the play again So maybe that's the reason We're not having any fun. I double dare you to sit over here. Because it's more intimate over here. Take off your high hat and let's get friendly. You act so distant. You practically are non-existent. I double dare you to kiss me and then. I double dare you to kiss me again. turn you over to the Discovery Department of our program. You all know Johnny Conti? Well, he says he's just made a surprising discovery. Yes, sir, George. I've just found out about the fastest moving creature in the world. Now, don't tell me. Let me guess. Uh, is it Gracie? No, George. It looks like a honeybee. It's only half an inch long, but it attains a speed of 800 miles an hour. Indeed. Very interesting. Is that the surprise? Oh, no. The surprise is yet to come. For I've discovered something that travels even faster. And that's the good news about Grape Nuts, the most delicious cereal you ever put a spoon to. Everybody's serving Grape Nuts these days. For everybody loves their satisfying, mellow goodness. Their full-flavored, sweet taste. That rich flavor comes from the special blending of sun-ripened wheat and malted barley, which brings out all the mouth-watering goodness. And Grape Nuts have another distinction all their own. A delightful, crisp crunchiness that makes them extra appetizing. So tomorrow morning, give yourself this treat. Sit down to a bowl full of those golden brown kernels. Top them with milk or cream. Add some sliced bananas or stewed or canned peaches. And then go to it. Every heaped up spoonful will be real delicious fun. And you'll agree with thousands of other people that grape nuts are the best tasting cereal you ever enjoy. Well, Gracie, say goodnight. Goodnight, everybody. Mm-hmm. Remember me, Gracie, I'm the window washer. What are you doing after the broadcast? Oh, I can't see you tonight. I'm going home with Dribblefoot. That's me, folks. Good night, all. <laughs> If you want to help fight infantile paralysis, send one dime to President Roosevelt, the White House, Washington, D.C. We can lick infantile paralysis with the March of Dimes. Good night. This is the National Broadcasting Company. Costello program brought to you by Camels. Listen to the music of Freddie Rich and his orchestra, the songs of Connie Haynes, Billy Gray as Little Matilda, the famous cartoon character Bugs Bunny, tonight's guest, Metro Golden Mayor star of Marriage is a Private Affair, Miss Lana Turner, and starring Bud Abbott and Lou Costello. folks, this way for the Abbott and Costello show. Tickets, please. 
See the Abbott and Costello show? Really, folks, it's a good show. Won't somebody please come in? Come on in, you cowards! <laughs> okay, okay, Ken Niles. Why, it's Bud Abbott. Hello, Bud. Well, hello, Mr. Abbott. Welcome back. Thanks, Mrs. Niles. Listen, have either one of you seen Costello? He was supposed to meet me here in the lobby of NBC, and it's almost time to start the broadcast. Well, personally, I don't care if Costello never shows up. All last season, he did nothing but insult me. But, Mrs. Niles, don't tell me you're carrying a grudge for, for a year. Well, why not? I've got a sister I haven't spoken to in 20 years. And Costello reminds me of my sister, except for the mustache. But Costello hasn't got a mustache. No, but my sister has. <laughs> I'm sorry, but that's final. You can't come in here. Hey, Let's Ken! Go. Let's go. Hey, I Ken! Go. I've got to get it. Ken! Ken! Look who it is! Huh? What, what? Look who it is! Hey, Abbott! <laughs> <laughs> Costello, where have you been? Look at you. You're perspiring something awful. I ain't perspiring, Abbott. I just took a shower with my shirt, socks, and underwear on. You took a shower with your shirt, socks, and underwear on? What's the idea? Do you know a quicker way to get your laundry done? Oh. <laughs> oh. Kenneth, did you hear that joke? Yes, dear. There will now be a slight pause for station fumigation. <laughs> oh, funny. Hey, Abbott, don't tell me that's Mr. and Mrs. Niles. Well, Mr. Costello, doesn't it look like us? I wasn't sure. I thought maybe I was getting sick again. <laughs> Costello, no fighting, please. It's, it's almost time. It's almost time to go on the air. Now, being... Oh, yeah. Ready to go on the air. That's right. I can hardly wait to get in front of that microphone. And also with Lana Turner. Hey, come on, Abbott, come on. Let's just get inside the studio. Minute, just a minute, Mr. Who are you, who are you, who are you? But I'm the NBC manager, Fogel. You're what? I'm Fogel. What are you doing for it? <laughs> no, Mr. Costello, you don't understand. You've been a pretty sick young man, and we'd like to have the NBC doctor check you over before you go into the studio. Are you kidding? I gotta get on the air. My public is waiting for me. Oh, I wouldn't worry about him. Oh, him? He's a nice guy. Hey, Abbott! Let me get that guy. Now, 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 Costello, take We've got it. more than one. I know, but We've take... got three. You're all right, take it easy. <laughs> take it easy, please. Take it easy. Remember your blood pressure. Oh, there's nothing wrong with my blood pressure. When I was down in Palm Springs, I used to drill with the soldiers. Well, that's strenuous. Oh, I should hope to tell you. I did everything they did. I'd get up at Sunday morning, and I'd take a 20-mile hike, exercise for three hours, drill for three more hours, and then I'd get up Tuesday morning. What happened to Monday? <laughs> Wait a minute, what happened to Monday? What happened to Monday? Yeah. You should be so inquisitive. Yeah. Who got up Monday? Well, oh, I see. I didn't get up Monday. I can see that. Well, Mr. Costello, how about the physical examination? We can't let you in the studio without it. I tell you, there's nothing wrong with me, Poogle. No, 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 no. Poogle. Stop yelling, Costello. Watch your pressure. But do you see anything wrong with me, Abbott? Well, your legs look a little weak. They're bending way out. Oh, I can't help that. It's a long pull from my socks to my garter belt. Not <laughs> in the studio, Costello. We're going on the air. Okay, Niles. Come on, Abbott. Let's go. I've been waiting eight months to meet Lana Turner. Uh, just a moment, Mr. Costello. Now what? I'm from the insurance firm of Birch Bark and Canoe. I'm Birch Bark. Where's Canoe? He went up the river. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, every show must have a bad joke. This one is on us. Now, thank you. Now, look, mister, our program is going on the air, and we're in a hurry to get to the studio. Exactly why I'm here. Mr. Costello, in view of your long illness, the network has sent me over to check up on your insurance. 
They must be protected, you know. Now, how about some life insurance? No life insurance for me, brother. Why not? I took some out a couple of years ago, and nothing happened. No, no. <laughs> no, Costello. He means a policy. Are you interested in a straight life? A straight life? Yes. No, sir. I'd like to sneak out once in a while. Oh, I... <laughs> oh, but the payments on this policy, Mr. Costello, are very low. For instance, it's much higher in Canada. And do you know the premium in England? Sure. Churchill. <laughs> I mean, after all, it calls for it. Abbott, will you get this guy away from me? I'll miss the broadcast. No, shut up, Costello. Pay attention. All right, forget straight insurance. We also have 10-year endowment, 20-pay life, annuities, and health insurance with double indemnity. Now, what would you like to take out? Lana Turner. Uh... <laughs> oh, no, Costello, he's talking about something that'll be good for you in your old age. So am I. I... <laughs> Now, look here, Costello. Let's pretend you're in an accident. What would you do if you lost a leg? Well, what I care? I got another one. <laughs> no, no. What do you think our company would give you for that leg? $250. Abbott, here's okay. a guy. If I lose a leg, wants to give me $250. Yes, $250. You see anything like that before? $250. $250 for one leg. Yeah. I won't sell. I... <laughs> no, you don't understand. Why, last year, my company gave over $1 million for broken legs alone. What did they do with all the legs? No. Who did they give no, them? No, no, look, look, Costello, you, you don't Lake understand. Diamond? They don't do anything with them. Whatever happened to Lake Diamond? I don't know. Look, that's, that's a different party entirely. You don't understand. You see, listen, every time there's an accident, somebody gets paid off. For example, yesterday a man breaks his leg. He gets $500. Today, somebody breaks his neck. He gets 1000 I wonder who will hit the jackpot tomorrow. I... <laughs> has nothing to do with a jackpot. Now, for instance, if I sprain both knees and break both ankles, I get $10,000. Or I can settle for $3,000 by waving both knees. How much do you get if you wiggle your ears? <laughs> hey, look, Abbott, I had enough of this. Now I want to get to my broadcast. Come on. Ah, Costello, you haven't had your examination yet. Get out of my way, Fugu. Yeah, Costello, Costello, you're going in the wrong door. That's a Don't closet. That's a closet. Gosh, Fibber McGee. <laughs> Here's Freddie Rich in the orchestra with a modern treatment of an old favorite. Put your arms around me, honey.
Now, I simply must put my foot down, Mr. Mr. Costello. You must be examined by the NBC doctor before you can be allowed in your studio. But what about my program, Fugle? A lot of Turner's waiting for me. Oh, don't worry, Costello. You can prove you're all right. Anyway, he's a fine doctor. Oh, he is? Yes. What's his name? Dr. Jones. Ph.D., M.D.S., L.L.D. What school did you go to? That's a fine way to spell Jones. Oh. Okay. Ph.D., M.D.S., L.L.D. All right, all right, never mind. Spells Jones. Go on in, will you? Will you go in, please? Okay. Uh, Dr. Jones, this is Mr. Costello. He's been very sick for a long time, and he must be examined before we can let him in the studio. I'll be right back. Yes, certainly, Fugle. Now, Mr. Costello, take off your coat, vest, tie, shirt, undershirt, socks, shoes, and suspenders. Uh, do you mind if I leave the hair on my chest? <laughs> Costello, quiet. Go ahead, Dr. Jones. Now, open your mouth, Costello. Wider. 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 Hmm, my brother would like to see that. Abbott. Is he a doctor? No, he's looking for an apartment. <laughs> I think I got things mixed up. <laughs> hey, Abbott, come here. That guy's no doctor. No, no. What do you mean he's no doctor? That's my line, please. <laughs> and by the way, yes, what do you mean by saying that? Thank you. I knew I heard that someplace before. Yeah. <laughs> Another one who said it. Hey, Abbott. You know, I don't see his thermometer. I don't see his stethoscope. I don't see Lana Turner. What's Lana Turner got to do with it? Nothing. I'd just like to see her. Oh. <laughs> I resent this, Mr. Costello. What am I, stupid? A dope? A moron? Try numbskull. What am I, a numbskull? <laughs> I like stupid better. <laughs> Costello, stop that. Continue with the examination, Doctor. Very well. Now, Mr. Costello, just hold still and I'll listen to your heart. My, that's strange. Your heart sounds like a clock. Good heavens. The alarm rang at eight. I can't understand it. Neither can I, Doc. I set it for seven. <laughs> Costello, we talk sense. Dr. Jones is a Johns Hopkins man. So what? My father sent me to Wilson. Well, well, what words? <laughs> My father sent me to Wellesley. <laughs> Wellesley is a girls' school. I know. My father always wanted me to have the things he didn't have. <laughs> Come in. Oh, doctor, 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 can I do it now? Yeah, just go ahead, Miss Cruzbach. Lay that pistol down, babe, lay that pistol down. A pistol packing, mama. Yeah, yeah, lay yeah. that pistol yeah, yeah, down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, all right. Yeah, yeah. That's enough for that. What's on here? Oh, I'm the floor show. The doc can't afford magazines. <laughs> Are you kidding? John's other wife? Yes. Who are you? Who am I? Yeah. I'm John. <laughs> Get me out of here! Now that's the last straw. Everything happens to me. Doctors and shorts men, John's other wife, Google. I'll never make the program. over here at NBC? Well, I came over to see your program, fellas. Uh, I get tired of eating carrots. I like a little corn once in a while. <laughs> <laughs> That's very funny for a rabbit. <laughs> you like it, Doc? You know, we could make a great team. 
Rabbit and Costello. Uh, <laughs> Rabbit and Costello. Hey, he's pretty cute, Costello. Uh, why don't we keep him around? Sure, Doc. I can be your bread and butter. Yeah, but who wants a hair in his butter? <laughs> Come on, Abbott. We're wasting time. Now, don't leave me, fellas. I'm feeling very sad today. What's wrong? Well, I broke up with my girl, Doc. We was going steady. Every day I used to bring her a carrot car charge. And boy, did we have fun. We'd gamble over the fields together, play hopscotch and check up on the victory gardens. But it's all over, fellas. I guess we were just never meant for each other. Why not? She was a gopher. <laughs> now listen, Bugs, will you stop annoying me? All I want to do is to get into the studio. Well, why didn't you say so, Doc? Look, all you have to do is go through that door, turn left, turn right, go two miles over the skyway, three miles over the byway, then six miles down the highway, and before you know it, you'll see Lana Toyner taking a sunbath on a patio. But that ain't my studio. I know, Doc, but that's living. <laughs> yeah, but will you do something? Do what? Uh, look. Uh, Abbott, Abbott, Rabbit, what's the difference? Look, Abbott, Rabbit, Ma Abbott, will you get him out of here? Oh, give me a break, Doc. Let me hang around your program and pick up a few nickels, huh? I'm a family man. By the way, Bugs, how do you stand in the draft? Well, they just reclassified me 1A, and I got 480 kids. Wait a minute, just a minute. They wouldn't put you in 1A if you got 480 kids. I'm a rabbit, Doc. They came after Pearl Harbor. <laughs> Dottie Haynes back with us again. She sings the new rhythmic hit there. Either too young or too old. You marched away and left this town as empty as can be. I can't sit under the apple tree with anyone else but me. For there is no secret lover. That the draft board can't discover. They're either too young or too old. They're either too gray or too grassy green. The pickings are poor and the crop is green. There isn't any gravy. The gravy in the navy. They're either too old or too young.
back to Abbott and Costello, who are still having trouble getting into the studio. Oh, boys. Oh, boys, wait a minute. Oh, Fogel. That's an understatement. I have some very good news for you, Mr. Costello. You can go on the air now. Your basal metabolism is impeccable, while your hemoglobin content is rich in hypothyroidism, and your capillaries are simply pulsating. Now listen, brother, watch your language. I got my mother's picture in my pocket. <laughs> oh, will you stop that, please? Mr. Fugel means the doctor has given you an okay to broadcast. Come in the studio. And keep quiet. The program's on. Okay. Oh, my darling Lana, come into my arms. Kenneth, my dear, I love you madly. Hey, Abbott! That Niles is playing my part! Yes, and look who the girl is. Lana Turner. <laughs> All right, Niles, come on, break it up, break it up. Oh, just a moment. Uh, Mr. Niles and I are playing a love scene. That Niles is no lover. Oh, yeah? I've kissed women who wouldn't look at you. Oh, yeah? I've kissed women who wouldn't look at me either. <laughs> Costello, will you stop fighting? I'm not fighting, Abbott Now listen, Niles On this program, you take care of the announcing Period And you take care of the comedy Question mark <laughs> Why, Niles, I'll... Oh, please, please, Mr. Costello They don't even let don't me finish I'll... a line I'll... Please, I appeal to you as a woman Well, if you're going to appeal to me As a woman Of course if you were a man, you wouldn't appeal to me. <laughs> at all. All right, all right. I'm sorry, Miss Turner. Please forgive Costello. He, he's a little impulsive. Repulsive? No, no. He said impulsive. I-M-P-U. Well, we all have <laughs> Now, listen. You wouldn't talk that way, Lana, if you saw my last picture. Oh, you mean the one where you were on the ice? <clears throat> That's the one. What did you think of it? You certainly kept well. Hey, Abbott. Watch this girl. All quiet. Come on, Costello. This is where we're supposed to do a love scene. Abbott, I didn't know you cared. Well, I do. Lo ah, never mind that. You want to do a love scene with me? No, 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 no. Let's I... pick out the furniture. Will you keep quiet, please? <laughs> no remarks. I mean a love scene with uh, Lana. That's way back. Listen. <laughs> Lou. Lou, this might be interesting to you. I'm talking about a love scene with Lana Turner. Oh, I just adore love scenes. Are you ready, Mr. Niles? Mr. Niles? You heard that, Costello. She wants me. <laughs> you see, Lana, since I put Niles on his program, success went to his head. Mm, from where I'm standing, it looks like success went to your stomach. <laughs> Did you hear that, Abbott? What an insult. Oh, she's right, Costello. You are fat. Well, I may be a little fat on the outside, but underneath, I'm solid flab. <laughs> Let's go, Niles. Get on with the love scene. Yeah, but what about me? Oh, you. You can play a love scene with uh, Mrs. Niles. I heard that, and I'd love to play a love scene with you, Mr. Costello. Don't call me Costello. Call me Dick Tracy. <laughs> well, that's silly. Why should I call you Dick Tracy? So I can call you Pruneface. <laughs> uh, did you get that ad lib, Lana? <clears throat> that's what put me on the top of the ladder. Yes, and your audience is at the bottom, daring you to come down. <laughs> well, Costello, I'm waiting. So is your broom. Why don't you fly out of here? <laughs> now, that's not nice, Costello. Mrs. Niles has some very fine points. Yes, she certainly has. For instance, Costello, take her hair. Okay, throw it over here. <laughs> <laughs> 
Oh, I don't know what's wrong with you, Costello. You you fight with everybody. I can't help it, Abbott. Oh. All those months that I was sick, I was thinking about doing this love scene with Lana Turner. And now she won't even talk to me. Oh, don't feel that way, Lou. The truth is, I dream about you. I dream about you every night. You do? Yes. <laughs> yes, I do. Do you think I can sue Ovaltine? I get it, darling. Oh, yeah, all right, all right, never mind, you get it. Ovaltine. Yeah, you heard her. We're working for Camel Cigarettes. Never mind that. <laughs> Ovaltine. All right, a little extra change. Oh, we'll get a case. All right, look. Look, come on. Let's... Let's get to the play. All right, Mr. Rich, let's have some music to put Costello in the mood. Ken, set the scene. And make it snappy, Niles. The scene is an old castle in England. It is the 16th century when hearts were brave and knighthood was in flower. The night is still, and Lady Lana stands on the balcony awaiting her lover. She has been waiting anxiously, longingly, patiently, hopefully. Come on, Niles, get with it, get with it, get with it, faster, faster, faster. And why not? I can't wait much longer, come on. She hasn't seen her lover in a fortnight. Ah, each minute seems like an hour. You forgot the seconds. Each hour seems like a day. Each day... Each day like a week. Each week like a month. Each, each year. Each month like a, like a year. Each year. Each year like... This is a, only uh, a half-hour program. <laughs> now get with it. Oh, but Lou, he's putting you in the mood to kiss me. I've been in the mood for eight months, kid. <laughs> Abbott, never mind, Niles. You set the scene. Okay, Lou. The stillness of the night is suddenly broken. Now, this guy will set it fast. <laughs> suddenly broken by the sharp clatter of horses' hoofs. Where does the horses come from? The lovely Lana's eyes light up. Her lover is riding into the courtyard on his white charger. Ah, white charger. I don't charge nothing. I pay it in cash. <laughs> he leaps from his horse and starts to climb up to her balcony. Hand over hand. Hand over hand. Two hands over hands. One foot up. The other foot up. Come on, get me up, Abbott. Hurry up. Then one hand up. Then the other hand it's up. It's gonna be too late. Now get me up. Inch by inch. Foot by foot. Yard by yard. Get me up there, will you? I want to kiss the dame. Lou, what's your hurry? There's plenty of time. Not for me, kid. I'm in 1A. <laughs> All right. Finally, you reach Lady Lana's side. And the play begins. A play of love. Emotion. An adventure. Ah, Lady Lana, I love you. I kiss you. Oh, or kiss me, one or the other. 
not here, my lover. Why not? Love is paramount. Love is universal. Oh, you're out of luck. I work for MGM. <laughs> Some plug. Hey, Lion. Ah, <laughs> oh, come on, Lana. I've been waiting eight months for this. All right, Lou. You can kiss me. This is spike work. <laughs> Hello. Mr. Costello, this is Fugle. No kissing in our studio. Kissing spreads germs. Not me. I kiss so hard, I kill him. <laughs> Costello, will you quit fooling around? Who's fooling around? All I want to do is kiss Lana Turner. Oh, come on, Lana. Will you please kiss me? Well, all right, Lou. Now, if you'll just close your eyes, I'll have a big surprise for you. Okay. My eyes are closed. Oh, boy, I can hardly wait. Lana Turner's gonna kiss me. Now keep your eyes closed. closed. Here's the surprise. Are you eating carrots, Lana? <laughs> Lana, who, Doc? I'm first. And I'm not when I get me out of here. And now again, we send our thanks to the Yanks of the Week, Americans who have distinguished themselves for heroism in the battle area. To Captain H.D. Maxwell of Pink Hill, North Carolina, and the entire crew of his Liberator bomber who turned their big four-engine B-24 into a fighter plane when they saw two German Focke Wolf heavy bombers attacking an Allied convoy in the Atlantic. While the huge enemy planes were making their bomb runs on the ships, Captain Maxwell and his men attacked with machine guns. And though cannon and machine gun fire from the enemy wounded every man aboard the Liberator, they shot down one German plane and probably destroyed the other before they themselves crashed in flames. Our airmen were rescued by ships from the convoy they had saved. We salute you and your crew, Captain H.D. Maxwell. And now here's Bud Abbott with a final word. Thank you. Ladies and gentlemen, now that our program is over and we have done our best to entertain you, I would like to take a moment to pay tribute to my best friend and to a man who has more courage than I have ever seen displayed in the theater. Tonight, the old expression, the show must go on, was brought home to all of us on this program, more clearly than ever before. Just a short time before our broadcast started, Luke Costello was told that his baby, one-year-old Tamara, had died. In the face of the greatest tragedy which can come to any man, Luke Costello went on tonight so that you, the radio audience, would not be disappointed. There's nothing more that I can say except but I know you all join me in expressing our deepest sympathy to a great trooper. Good night. This is the National Broadcasting Company. KFI Los Angeles. It's the Martin and Lewis Show. The National Broadcasting Company brings you transcribed from New York, the Martin and Lewis Show. Our guest star tonight, Peter Laurie, and featuring Flo McMichael, Roger Price, Ed Hurley, he digs to and his orchestra, and starring Dean Martin. I wish I knew the name of the girl in my dreams, so I could change her name to mine. And Jerry Lewis. I wish I knew the name of the girl in my gym. Jerry. <laughs> All right, so I made a boom boom. 
turns a right into a wrong Bright as the night brings happiness to me Makes me luckier than throwing a seven Takes me nearer to heaven Than anyone's allowed to do When your heart is talking I feel like I'm walking on a cloud Someone like you someday I'll find Someone I can boast to Somebody to hug while a bug in the rug To snuggle up close to And whenever I do, do you know the who Who I'll give the most to You pray on my mind, stay till I find Someone like you Someday I'll find Someone I can boast to Somebody to hug Well, a bug in the rug To snuggle up close to And whenever I do Do you know the who Who I'll give the most to You pray on my mind Stay till I find Someone like you Dean and Jerry have just received an urgent message to see their manager, Speedy Smith, immediately. And right now, we find them walking down the hall of his office building in the heart of Broadway's theatrical district. All right, look, here we are in Speedy's office now. Before we go in, let me look at you. Well? Okay, I guess you're neat enough, but I sure wish you'd start putting on some weight. You're about the skinniest guy I ever saw. Look here, Dean Martin. I won't stand here and have you talk that way about me. I'll have you know I weigh 118 and three-quarter pounds. 118 and three-quarters... And that's with clothes on, huh? What do you weigh stripped? I don't know. I'm bashful. <laughs> now stop picking on me about how skinny I am. Oh, I'm not picking on you. Now, if you were smart, you'd... Jerry, don't try to tell me how to be smart. Do I tell you how to be stupid? <laughs> What's to tell? Well, what are we standing here arguing for? Let's go in. Speedy's messy said it was urgent. Oh, yeah, let's go in. Mr. Martin. Hello, Mr. Lewis. Well, hiya, Florence. So you're working for our manager today, huh? We're supposed to see Speedy right away, Florence, and it, it's something important. Well, he's got another client in there now. But in the meantime, maybe you can help me with an awful problem. Speedy bought me this new filing cabinet today. What's your problem? I don't know where to plug it in. <laughs> Plug it in. <laughs> Florence, you don't plug a filing cabinet in. <laughs> you wind it up. <laughs> Gee, Dean, listen in there. Speedy's sure balling out some client. Listen. And in my opinion, I don't blame the circus for wanting to fire you. You keep forgetting your act, and that's the first thing you're supposed to do. Don't forget anything. Now you got one more chance to so get back there, and above all, don't forget anything. Gee, Dean, did you ever see such an unhappy-looking elephant? Ah, <laughs> oh, come on, let's go in and see what Speedy wants. Hello, Speedy. What's so important that you have to see us in such a hurry? Yeah, we rushed right over. I'll tell you in a minute, boys. Relax. Let's get our feet up in the desk. Come on, sit down. Okay. 
Okay. Ouch! Jerry, you're supposed to sit down first, then put your feet on the desk. <laughs> well, boys, I've done it. A big manufacturer phoned me a while ago. He likes your program and might sponsor it. Now, I believe in you, boys. I've studied you. You got talent. Why, I know you backwards. Well, come around front sometime. We got talent on that side, too. <laughs> come on, now. Let's get down to business, boys. Let's get down to business. Look, I want you to go out and call on this man and convince him you've got the program he needs. Get his name and address from Florence and go see him right away. Okay, let's go, Jerry. Hey, Florence, will you give us the name and address of that big manufacturer who's thinking about sponsoring us? Oh, sure. I just filed it alphabetically. Alphabetically? Sure. You know, by numbers. <laughs> What's the name and address? That's what we want you to find for us. We want... You're kind of silly, Mr. Lewis. You better watch out, or they'll put you in the bobby hatch. Bobby hatch? Florence, it's not bobby hatch. It's bobby hutch. <laughs> Florence, please get the name and the address you put in the file cabinet. Oh, sure. Well, let's see. It could be... Uh, no. Well, maybe I... <laughs> That'd be silly. <laughs> or it might be... Oh, no. What are you trying to figure out, Florence? How to open the drawer. Here, Florence, I'll open it for you. There. Florence, will you please try to remember? My goodness, that's it. When you mentioned Bobby Hutch a while ago, I made a file for him, and I put the man's name in there. See, here it is, Mr. Price, 35 Waterbury Road. That must be his country estate. Well, thanks, Force. Come on, Jerry, let's hurry. We'll jump in the car and be there in a few minutes. <laughs> now, Jerry, watch what you say. This Mr. Price can certainly afford to sponsor us. Hey, look over there under the trees. That must be him swinging on the hammock. Yeah, and he must be as eccentric as Speedy said. Look how he's hanging, on the bottom. <laughs> Say, you must be Mr. Price because we've heard how intelligent and distinguished you are. We're Dean Martin and Jerry Lewis. Well, well, where'd you boys come from? The stork brought us. <laughs> Jerry, that's not what Mr. Price meant. Oh, yes, it was. Say, I guess your manager told you that I'd like to sponsor you. Uh, what do you manufacture, Mr. Price? Well, it's my family's secret formula. I have the formula right here, secret C. I got it right here. X plus 2 over the square root of pi plus CN3HO4 times 3.677 equals Y. Yeah. What does the formula make? Orange marmalade. <laughs> So that's your product, huh? Orange marmalade? Yes, it's wonderful. Made from 100% pure prunes. <laughs> Orange marmalade made out of prunes? I wish I knew what to call it. I got it. Strawberry preserves. <laughs> good, good, good. Mr. Price? Yes? Are you for real? <laughs> oh, Jerry, please excuse him, Mr. Price. And could we talk uh, with you about sponsoring our show? Uh, Mr. Lewis, who's this fellow with you? Oh, he's my partner, you know, Dean Martin. His singing is wonderful. I'm very interested in singers, Mr. Martin. My favorite is Bing Crosby. Don't you admire Bing Crosby? Who? <laughs> you know, Dean, Bing Crosby, the man you imitate when you're trying to sound like Perry Como. 
Gee, Mr. Bryce, it would be wonderful if you'd sponsor our radio show. Well, I will, if some changes are made. What? Change our show? Oh, no, we couldn't do that. Well, now, 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 don't be hasty. You see, I spend a lot of time studying and analyzing human beings. You study people, huh? People, too. Now, take the average man. Now, what is it the average man wants? An average woman. I like you. You're jerky. <laughs> Mr. Price, how about our radio program? Well, now as I see the picture, uh, you should do a mystery program. My wife insists on it. You see, my wife loves mysteries. My wife sits home every evening with her ear glued to the radio. There's no glue handy. She uses thumbtacks. But, Mr. Price, we do a comedy show with songs. Now, I'll tell you. If you'll do a mystery program, I'll sponsor your show. But, Mr. Price... My word is final. It's a mystery program or nothing. Well, Dean and Jerry were really discouraged about their chances of getting a sponsor until a few minutes ago, walking down Broadway. Dean! Look at that sign on the Paramount Theater. Hey, it reads that Peter Laurie opens here Wednesday. Say, if we only could... Don't say it. Cross your fingers. Let's try to find him. Well, this is it, Jerry. The Warwick Hotel. Yeah. Wouldn't it be swell if we could talk Peter Laurie into helping us out? Then we'd have our sponsor. I only hope we can get in to see Peter Laurie. He probably even never heard of us. Maybe not, Dean, but wait until he finds out that I'm a big fan of his. Gee, one time I took my girl to see Peter Laurie in a picture. He was so sinister and so menacing. When I came out, I had the creeps. Well, it must have been even worse on your girl. Nah, she was a creep to start with. <laughs> well, let's go in and see Mr. Laurie. Well, here's Peter Laurie's apartment. Ring the bell, Jerry. Jerry, what's the matter? Who's afraid? Oh, I'll do it. There. Dean. What? Let's go home. <laughs> Gee, Mr. Laurie'd never help a couple of nobodies like us. Oh, come on, brace up. Yes, what is it? I'm Dean Martin, and this is Jerry Lewis, and uh, we just got to go in and see Mr. Laurie. I'm sorry, I'm Mr. Laurie's personal secretary, and nobody can see him. Let me, let me handle this, Dean. I gotta be stern with her. Okay, good. Be stern. All right now, miss. You listen to me. Yes. Uh, um. What is it? Um. Uh. Yes. Will you marry me? Do you really want to see Mr. Laurie enough that you'd propose? <laughs> Don't laugh. If we can be engaged... I'll give you my secret corn kicks ring with the plastic glass covered compass and the secret message sender and decoder and the patented paper scope with the atomic disintegrator attachment. Would you really give it to me? Sure, come on. Help me lift it out of the box. All right, Jay, that's enough. Look, miss, we got to talk to Mr. Lloyd about helping us out on our radio show. Oh, Mr. Martin, I love your singing. I admire your act so much. I'm the star of the act, miss. And your wonderful reviews, Mr. Martin. I'm his assistant. I'm Lewis. I'm on records, too. And the way the crowds come to see you at the Copacabana, Mr. Martin. I'm there, too. Yep, 
Good old Jerry, I do a few tired funnies in between Dean's songs. And you're so appealing to women, Mr. Martin. Oh, I wish I was dead. <laughs> oh, I think you're kind of cute too, Sonny. Miss, are you sure that Mr. Laurie can't see us today? Well, you're taking a horrible chance. Mr. Laurie hates to be disturbed at tea time, and especially when he's so hungry. Well, thanks, but we'll take a chance. Mr. Laurie? Wow, wow, wow. Two nice young ones. Come in. Well, uh, I hope we didn't disturb your cup of tea, Mr. Loy. What are you drinking there? Green tea or orange pico? Oh, oh no, neither. I have a weak stomach. It's arsenic. You drink arsenic? Yes. Uh, always when I can't get Drano, you know, Drano. Oh, now it comes, comes in all six delicious flavors. Sure, strawberry, raspberry, orange, lemon, and bathtub. Now, uh, what was it you want to see me about? Well, I'll come right to the point, Mr. Lawyer. I'm mm. Dean Martin. This is my partner, Jerry Lewis. Uh, yeah. We'd like to have you come on our radio show and, uh, you know, do a mystery. Huh? You want me to come on your radio program and do a mystery? That's right. Isn't it mysterious enough already? <laughs> Please, Mr. Lawyer, we've got a great chance if you'll help us out. It means an awful lot to us. We can get a sponsor if you'll only say yes. Well, you see, I wouldn't mind helping you out, but uh, what would I do on your show? Oh, you know, play sinister characters like you do in your pictures when you're acting. Hmm? Acting? <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's silly. What makes you think I'm acting? No, no, I, I'm like that all the time. You're like the Peter Lorre you play on the screen? It's not just acting. It started all when I was a little boy. My mother, she used to make me wear Lord Fauntleroy suits and long golden hair curls. Oh, I was so cute, you know. Yes, I, I can still hear the people when they say, when I walk down the street on a Sunday morning, look, there goes that little rat who burned down the city hall. Dean, I'm not happy. Let's go. No, no. No, you must stay. You, you must hear me out, you see. Well, my, my work in pictures has only aggravated my tendencies. You see, everyone has criminal traits. Everyone? Oh, yes, yes. Uh, just think, as a boy, didn't, didn't you have some bad habits? Not me. None at all? No. Oh, but now that I think of it... Yes? I did have one. Yes, you see, you see. What was it? Uh, did you go around scaring your little baby brother? Oh, no, worse than that. Yeah? What did you do? I used to sneak pussy willows into my room and pull their tails off. Now, come on, please, let's be serious, boys. You came here seeking my help now, didn't you? Now, let's see, what, what can we get for you? Uh, oh, yes, well, it should be something nice and gruesome, shouldn't it? Uh, oh, I have it, my diary, huh? It tells of an incident which happened here in New York City several years ago. And, and you, Jerry, you, you remind me strangely of, of he who was my assistant. Long last, I've found the perfect criminal accomplice. For years, I've been looking for someone to hypnotize into committing my murders for me. Yes, he had to be somebody with no principles, no character, and a weak mind. 
I trained him for weeks. Finally, finally, my stooge was ready for his new career. I put him under my spell. Come now, look into my eyes. There. You are now completely at the mercy of my will, aren't you? Yes, master. You are going out now to rob a bank. I will, master. And if necessary, you are going to kill. I'll do that, master. And even if you see some pretty girls, you won't mix with them. I won't mix, master. Now, now, what should I do, master? I want you now to take some TNT and go to the Chase National Bank and blow it up. He left me. I waited for an hour anxiously. This was his first job. Where is he? He should have been back long ago. Hello? Hello, master. Louis. Why, why aren't you here with the money? Did you blow up the bank like I said? Master, I made a terrible mistake. I accidentally dropped some taboo into the TNT. What happened? Now Chase National is going steady with Irving Trust. <laughs> and so it went, failure after failure, but I didn't give up. I, I needed Louis for this special job. And Louis, tonight is the payoff. Tonight at nine, I have a date with Mrs. Von Schuler, the owner of the million-dollar Ming necklace. Let's get started. What a surprise this is going to be for Mrs. Von Schuler. Well, Louis, here we are. Here we are, the Von Schuler estate. Come on, we'll go in through the front door. I'll open it. All right, you're covered. Get your hands up, both of you. Higher, higher, higher. Please, my feet are off the floor now. <laughs> you, 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 Louis, you caused this, you clumsy, stupid, blundering idiot. I, I taught you everything I knew because I liked you. I fed you because I liked you. I made you what you are today because I liked you. But now, now, I, I hate you. All right, if that's the way you feel, take back your fraternity pin. <laughs> That was wonderful, Mr. Lawyer. We'll all do a mystery show together. Jerry, now we've got a sponsor. Oh, oh uh, wait, wait, just a minute, boys. There's a little detail, you see. I, I personally, I'm tired of all that horror stuff. I, you see, from now on, I, I want to be gay. I, uh, like a disc jockey. A disc jockey? Yeah. But if we're going to get a sponsor, we've got to have one of those gruesome programs. Oh, wait. Believe me, Jerry. Believe me. You know, Peter Laura is a disc jockey. It'll be pretty gruesome. <laughs> well, uh, the least we can do is try it. I'll tell you. You two cook up something while I knock off a number. Mr. Stabile, a little background, please. Couldn't happen again 
This is the once in a lifetime This is the thrill divine Oh, what's more This never happened before Though I have prayed for a lifetime That such as you Would suddenly be mine Mine to hold As I'm holding you now and yet Never so near Mine to have When the now and the here Disappear What matters Did for When This doesn't Happen again We'll have This moment Forever But never, never again. That was very nice, Dean. All right, come on. While you were singing, Mr. Laurie and I got a terrific idea for a disc jockey program. The Sunshine Boys. This is the way our theme will go. You gotta keep smiling, 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 What did you drop out for? I forgot the words. Yes, folks, we're on the air. The Sunshine Boys, Dean, Jerry, and Pete. And now a short message from the makers of Sploop. Folks, have you tried Sploop? Sploop, the breakfast food that makes you wish it was lunchtime. Ah, <laughs> uh, and remember, folks, Sploop doesn't crackle, burst, pop, or explode. It makes no noise at all. But when you pour the cream over it, watch it. It bites. <laughs> yes, and Sploop contains the new miracle vitamin, Flebo flavor. <laughs> it won't cure anything, it won't fix anything, and it won't make you feel any better. In fact... It even saps your energy, gives you that rundown feeling. So next time, ask for Sploop, the breakfast food for people who don't want to be champions. And now for our daily problem corner with Dr. Peter Laurie. <clears throat> what is our problem today, Dean? Well, here's a letter picked at random. Dear doctor, I am a woman weighing 195 pounds. Mm-hmm. I, bought a, I bought a new girdle last week, and I... Get into it, all right, but I have a terrible time taking it off. What should I do? Oh, well, that's easy. Just tell her to snap out of it. <laughs> a poem entitled, Mary, Mary, Quite Contrary, How Does Your Garden Grow? Vigoro, next poem. <laughs> a little robin redbreast sat on my windowsill. He was a beam of sunlight as he sang his little trill. 
He sang so sweet and looked so gay. No one could ever hate him. He was nature's work of art. Gee, I'm sorry that I ate him. <laughs> well, folks, the next portion of the program is brought to you by the makers of Sludge Glow, the new shampoo for bald-headed men. It contains that new secret ingredient, hair. <laughs> get the large 150-gallon jar of Sludge Glow. When you get through with it, you simply fasten wheels on it and presto, it's a new Studebaker. <laughs> well, we have a request to sing that new hillbilly tune, Drop Dade, Little Darling, Drop Dade. Hit it, Dean. Drop Dade, Little Darling, Drop Dade. I need you like a hole in the head Get lost and get you gone I'm no longer your Don Juan Drop dead, little darling Drop dead Drop dead, little darling Drop dead I need you like a hole in the head You're like an awful dream And if you come back, I'll Drop it in a little, a darling, a drop dead. Drop dead, little darling, drop dead. I need you like a hole in a head. I'll take your pure white neck and I'll break it too by heck. Drop dead, little darling, drop dead. Drop dead, little darling, drop dead. I need you like a hole in the head. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Get lost and get you gone. I'm no longer your darling one. Drop dead, little darling, drop dead. Thank you, Peter Laurie. You were wonderful. And uh, I hope we'll have the pleasure of working with you again soon. Oh, Jerry, stop crowding me. There's not room for both of us in this phone booth. I want to hear what Mr. Price says when you talk to him about how much money he's going to pay us for the show. Well, he hasn't even answered yet. Gosh, Dean, we're on our way. We got a sponsor just like Bob Hope and Bing and Fibber and all the big timers. Hello? Uh, Mr. Price, this is Dean Martin. Jerry and I are just calling to, uh, you know, set the salary for our show. Show? Sure, the one we just did for you. Wasn't Peter Laurie great? Wasn't it full of mystery and horror and suspense? Show? <laughs> Mr. Price, didn't you hear it? Uh, no, I didn't. The funniest thing happened, I couldn't listen. Had no radio. <laughs> you had no radio? No. My wife went shopping, and the radio was still glued to her ear. I'm sorry. Bye. Bye. Well, Jerry, we got to keep punching. Even if we haven't got a sponsor, we still got the show. Yeah, Dean. See you next week. Bye. Bye. The Martin Lewis Show, transcribed in New York, is produced and directed by Robert L. Red and written by Ray Allen, Dick McKnight, Roger Price, and Sid Resney. Peter Lorre will soon be seen in the Hal Wallace production, Rope of Sand. This is Ed Hurley, suggesting you tune into your NBC station each Sunday evening at the same hour for The Martin and Lewis Show. This is NBC, the national broadcasting company.
Don't throw away your old computer. Make it come alive with Linux, the free operating system. Linux revives old computers and makes new ones as fast as lightning. There are hundreds of Linux versions packed with all the free software you'll ever need. Linux is easy to download, and you can try it out before you install. You can run it alongside Windows for comparison. Take time to learn about Linux. L-I-N-U-X, the free open source operating system. From the K-Rob Collection, this has been Audio Antiques, a program featuring shows from the golden age of American radio. I'm Ken Robinson, urging you to subscribe to this podcast and to share it with anyone who loves classic broadcasts. Our music is by H Beats. That's H Beats with a Z. Thanks so much for listening.